You're listening to Cannabis Health Radio. Here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. Welcome to another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. I'm Ian Jessup. Corey Yelland is away today. Cluster headaches are called suicide headaches and are experienced by 7 million people worldwide. The suicide rate for cluster headaches sufferers is 20 times the national average in the United States. John Fletcher is president and founder of the Cluster Headache Foundation in the U.S. He's a sufferer and describes his headaches this way. It can put the strongest man on his knees, screaming and crying, pulling out hair, smashing his head against the wall or with his fists, and during a bat attack, begging for death to just escape this pain. This is why so many do take their own lives. So you're probably asking, what is a cluster headache? Well, Fletcher has one of the better descriptions. He states, It's not a headache in any descriptive sense, but a very powerful, extremely violent, brutal, and traumatic attack that feels physically like you're taking or just about to take a brutal and cruel beating on the inside of your eye and inside one side of your head. It's like a beast in your head doing severe physical damage. It absolutely has nothing to do with migraines or any typical headache of any kind. Now, joining us today to talk about his cluster headaches is Tom Tremere of Ontario, Canada. Tom, thanks very much for joining us. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I'm uh, very humbled. What do you think of Fletcher's description of a cluster headache? If you ask 1,000 cluster headache sufferers, every answer from the 1,000 people at random would be a unanimous answer. Every answer will be identical over a cluster headache. They're, uh, they're inhumane. It's torture. You, it's true. Uh, many times I've said, check, please. <laughs> I've had enough. Um, there's no other worst form of pain that I've experienced in my life, even compared to a mild cluster headache. It feels like being shot. It feels like uh, there's a devil in your brain trying to scoop your eyeball out. Uh, it feels like a hot poker in your eye. At times, suicide seemed like the best option. It is a form of torture, isn't it? It is described as the world's most painful disease known to medical science. And that's not based on survivors' answer. That is the uh, World Health Organization, uh, top leading uh, neurologists, neurosurgeons, GPs. They all know that this is um, unfair. Sadly, it comes with a stigma attached to it. And what is that stigma? Um. Well, nobody could say, you know, oh, what gives you the right to be number one? Or why did, why is yours the world's most painful? And, you know, uh, cancer's got to be worse. Or childbirth or being shot. And uh, how they come up with this is really testimonies from fellow survivors who've been shot, who've uh, broken bones, uh, given childbirth. And, uh, you know, they've all pulled together and decided that it's the world's most painful disease, which is crappy because as a survivor, you would think, hey, uh, doc, can't you like diagnose me with like the 53rd world's most painful disease? Like, I don't want to be number one. It hurts. 
Tom, what are some of the the causes of cluster headaches? Do do they does medical science know that? They believe that it originates in the hypothalamus, which is the very very center core part of your brain. They believe that's where it originates. Why they don't know, but they believe that it originates in the center part of your brain. Do you remember your very first cluster headache? July 25th, 2005, sitting in my truck, putting a headliner in my hot rod. And I had gotten a phone call that particular day um, from my then, now ex-wife, that she was in a horrific car accident. And that was my first attack. And what did you think you had at the time? I thought I had an aneurysm. I thought that I had some sort of tumor on my brain. Um, I knew something was terribly wrong. There's uh, nothing that you could do to stop it. Um, you wanted to die immediately, and you thought you were dying because you know nobody knew what was happening to me. I didn't know what was happening to me. I'd never experienced anything similar to that, let alone had I ever even heard of it from a friend or television or nothing. And did you have many more after that? I've had an attack every day since. Um, There are two types of sufferers. There's episodic, where people can have clusters for a couple of weeks, a couple of months, say September, October, and then it just vanishes for 10 months and then comes back the following year, the same day, the same time of day for the same amount of time for those two months. And then there's chronic people who have it every day that have no remission. And what are you every day? Chronic. Chronic. Sorry. Every day you have uh, cluster headaches. As a matter of fact, uh, when we had scheduled this interview, you ended up in emergency. Yeah, that one was for a migraine. Um, The last three weeks, uh, week one was a 102-hour migraine. Week two was 90 hours. uh, And then into the third week was 72 hours. But it was Canada Day weekend, and I felt so guilty for my wife being stuck on the couch. So I kind of wussied out and went to emerge. I don't usually do that, though. How would you compare a migraine to a cluster headache? I'm wanting to die. That's the difference. With a, with a cluster headache, you want to die. A migraine, you know it's going to end at some point, and uh, you'll be fine. Um. Yeah. I, well, you're comparing a... a like a migraine being a paper cut to a a cluster headache, which is a bullet wound. And, uh, you know, it's not to discourage or to put anybody down. It was migraines. I suffer from chronic migraines. I've just went through three weeks of, you know, having a day free of migraines. So I know what they are. They're very painful and they're debilitating. But a cluster lasts 30 minutes to three hours long, no more. But you can have up to 15 cluster headaches a day. So, you know, at the end of that three hours that you're fine, you're a human being again, other than maybe some fatigue and and tired and irritability and lack of sleep. But for the most part, your life pretty much returns back to normal. Whereas a migraine, you can get an aura, then you have a migraine from anywhere from weeks to months uh, for me. And uh, then, you know, after the migraine, you're in nausea, you're still sensitive to sound and light. And, uh, you know, it just doesn't, snap off like a cluster does tom when you went to the doctor after your first cluster headache what was the diagnosis uh go see a dentist because the pain starts in the trigeminal nerve which is basically right where your upper gums and your teeth meet is the end of the nerve and they thought that the 
the pain was coming from, say, an abscessed tooth. So they did two root canals, and then they ended up removing the tooth. And only after an extremely annoying patient like me who doesn't let up, I got to see a special doctor at a university hospital who diagnosed me with cluster headaches a year later, which is unheard of in this disease. Because now the diagnosis time is about four years, and it used to be 16. So a lot of people went over a decade in pain before even knowing what was wrong with them. It sounds to me like the medical community still doesn't have a handle on this. No, um, I have three very close personal friends with MS, but I know these facts that MS has spent $1.78 billion in the last 25 years on research, which is fantastic. I'm glad to hear that, and they should keep doing it and pump in more for people with MS. But for cluster headache sufferers, they've spent less than $2 million in 25 years. That is how blind we are, invisible, um, underfunded. I mean, most research facilities spend $2 million a year on stationary products. So when you go to the hospital or you talk to a doctor, unless you're speaking to a specialist or a survivor, they have no idea what you have or how to treat it or to go anything about it. Citizen science is what helps doctors today. After you were diagnosed, were you put on medication? For approximately five years, I was a funnel for every possible textbook chemical that could jam down my throat. And without embarrassing myself too much, the last medication gave me complete and utter impotence. And being a young guy, um, relatively healthy at the time, that was a really uh, hard pill to swallow, no pun intended. But uh, after that, I flushed everything down the toilet because they caused more harm and made absolutely no benefit in my life for any of my headaches, any of the headaches I was suffering from. How old were you when you were diagnosed? Uh, 34. 34. I got sick at 33. 33. So you're in your 40s now. 45, yep. 45, and you've been suffering from cluster headaches since 2005. Correct. At any point during that period, did you think of taking your own life? December 31st, 2008, if my memory serves me right, I was living on 21 hours sleep in 21 days. And my bestest of best friends would tell me to quit my whining and I didn't need to quit my job and it's just a headache and take a pill. I couldn't date anybody. Um, My life wasn't really worth living. And I was a really positive, happy guy. I could tell jokes and be the life of the party, but I was living in such hell. So I thought to myself, what's better, a son with a sick dad or a son without a dad? So I uh, jumped out in front of a bus in Miami, uh, Florida, and um, the bus swerved, and I lived, and I figured I had to have purpose in life, that um, I should be here to help people. So I started my journey next with brain surgery. Take us through that, because we interviewed a fellow you know, Ian Frizzell of the UK, who also had uh, brain stimulation surgery, and you had a similar operation, did you not? Correct. Um, Ian, if you're listening, you're my hero. My first brain surgery was occipital nerve stimulation, where they put electrodes in the back of my head, and they 
the wires protruded out of my head um, into the air and went to an external pacemaker, which they said, if it works, we'll implant the pacemaker in your chest after a few weeks. And if it didn't, well, we'll revisit that. So it didn't work. So I said, okay, well, when are we going to have surgery to remove it? And he said, lean forward, and he pulled them out. And then we proceeded with deep brain stimulation, which is uh, the brain surgery that Ian and I both had. Um, except uh, for Ian, he was asleep. Um, I don't know how he got lucky, but uh, mine, I was awake. I had the surgery done in about six, seven hours. And I was awake for the most of it. 30 days later, I had an infection coming out of my chest where the pacemaker was uh, in my chest. And I went back to the hospital and they said, well, you're going to be dead in 24 hours. We need to take all this out. You have an infection traveling to your brain. Then uh, eight and a half months later, they reinstalled everything, thus making four brain surgeries. Really, it was only two surgeries, but three or two extra were to fix it. So... Now, how does this brain uh, deep brain stimulation device work for you? Well, uh, they installed the uh, neurostimulator, and for the next two and a half years, I would see the neurosurgeon, and he would bring a handheld remote, and he would program my brain in the voltage, the firing order, um, where it would fire. Uh, you know, sometimes you could skip an electrode and, you know, make the voltage come out of one, two, and four and skip three. And he would play with the settings for the next two and a half years. During those two and a half years, aside from getting more sick and more side effects from brain surgery, it didn't work. And that's when I turned it off. But about... A week prior to turning it off, I had heard from a long time about the medicinal use of psilocybin, otherwise known as magic mushrooms, uh, LSD, uh, seeds, RC seeds, I think they're called, and I had really dismissed it. But um, for the second time in my life, I wanted to die, and I thought if I lived through having my head drilled into for six hours, I could handle a uh, six-hour uh, psychedelic trip if that happened. And um, I was terrified simply because I had never done that in high school. I just never was involved in any of that. I didn't hang out with people who did that. And I was really apprehensive to even thinking about that. But now that I had a failed, not a failed brain surgery, a successful surgery that didn't help my pain, not trying to discredit the surgeon. And I thought, well, I'm going to try this uh, magic mushrooms. And I've been doing it for two and a half years now, uh, every two months on a medicinal uh, use base. And uh, the dosage I take is far less than recreational. Do you do it with doctor supervision? No, I do it with my GP, my neurosurgeon and neurologist. I do it with all their blessings. So I discussed it prior to me doing it. I told them I'd heard about it. Uh, two of my doctors said, yeah, we've read medical papers and documentation on this, that it's actually beneficial. And it's not of a recreational use. It's, they understood that it was medicinal. And they thought, okay, if this guy had his head drilled into, we realize that he's not a drug seeker at this point. So they gave me their blessing, although they could not write me a prescription for it. What was it like the very first time you took these magic mushrooms? Um, I didn't know what to expect, so I was more scared than anything, but I had my, my wife and my son present and uh, my family's blessing, and um, 
I just sat and watched TV. I laughed a little. It was uh, a little weird because uh, other things happen when you um, take the mushrooms. Your your uh, senses become more aware. Um, Your my nose plugs up. I yawn a lot. And none of these are side effects I expected. I expected to, I don't know, see unicorns or something. And none of that happened. Nothing at all. Because the dose is pretty small and I'm a really big guy. So uh, I didn't really, as they say, trip out. And I and I have yet to do that, actually. Did uh, the magic mushrooms help you at all? In all the years that I was sick, I had never ever once from oxygen imitrex which is an extremely um harsh uh pharmaceutical that i take for headaches uh nothing had ever given me any relief like the magic mushrooms i could not believe it i had to do it um three times over a course of 15 days some people have to do it more some less and uh i was starting to totally get relief uh, a little bit of my life back. I was getting less attacks, less frequent, less severe. And we rate our cluster headaches on a 1 to 10 scale. And to this very day, I've never had an attack higher than a 6, where I was averaging 110 a day, right? So uh, it's there's no such thing as a cure, but if, if Jesus was standing in front of me right now, he'd be going, high five. I like you. Yeah, yeah. I've I've read that uh, if you get a cluster ten headache, that's when people really want to commit suicide. Um, I agree with that statement to some extent. I think a nine, you would want to commit suicide. A ten, you can't think. So I was on the news recently, and she asked what was a ten like. I said, if this house was on fire, I would perish. She goes, what do you mean? I said, I couldn't walk. I couldn't think. Somebody would have to drag me out of the house, hands and feet, for me to even comprehend the house was on fire. It's so severe. I've put my head through drywall numerous times, broken four headboards. I've punched myself like mad to give myself a black eye to knock myself out. And nothing can defer the pain. Uh, You don't even realize anything that's happening around you. You don't even know you're alive. It's just sheer violence. Tom, when you get a cluster headache, is it always on the same side of your head? Correct. Uh, For me, I'm a righty. In very, very rare instances, there has been cases where it's flipped back and forth for other patients. But for me, I've been a solid right-eye guy since the very first attack. You know, it's hard for people like me who rarely get headaches to really comprehend the severe pain, anxiety, trauma that people like you go through. And when you were with your friends... And they said, oh, just take a pill. You'll feel all right. I don't think people who do not have cluster headaches can really comprehend the severity of them. No, um, and I never expected anybody to, but empathy goes a long way. Mm-hmm. A lot of people can have compassion and go, oh, poor Tommy, that sucks. You know, sucks to be him. But empathy is getting down on one knee and extending your hand out and saying, listen, I understand what you're going through and I'm here for you if I need you. Now, have you tried cannabis at all? Um, prior to medical cannabis, not really. I, I know that's kind of a loaded question, but it's like 
taking a swig of beer but not swallowing it. You're just putting it in your mouth. And I had done that for a friend that said, oh, try pot, blah, blah, blah. But I wasn't doing it correctly. No, much like Bill Clinton. He didn't inhale. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you got her. So that really that was my experience with 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 uh, any type of marijuana. And in my background, uh, in the early 2000s, I went to school to be a police officer. Uh, I was growing up being told that pot was bad for you and, and uh, uh, you know, don't associate with the bad people around pot. And I didn't. I just I listened to what I got told and I was brainwashed and uh, I didn't know any better. So for me to come to the conclusion after mushrooms that some of these people are right. Like not everybody can be wrong that they're bad people or that it's bad or a gateway drug, blah, 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 blah. And I started, started to open my eyes and I listened. And thanks to Dr. Sonia Gupta's special on weed, I probably would still have my head up my arse and I'd probably be suffering a lot more. Now, how much cannabis do you take? Well, I'm still a virgin to this, so forgive me. I'll try to explain it as best I can. Um, I probably do it anywhere from one to three times a day. And when I do a hit, I'll do two at a time. Sometimes I found that two will just knock me on my butt and, you know, need a bag of Doritos. And then there's other times I'll take two hits and not feel a thing. So the cannabis that I take is high in CBD and low in THC. But because I'm a virgin to this, I'm trying to slowly educate myself as I go, how much I take, and do the proper research. But I was uh, prescribed two different types of cannabis. One was sativa and then in, indica. Indica. Indica, sorry. Yeah. Uh, was the nighttime stuff. And I found that the indica gave me really bad headaches. So that the sativa is working fantastic. So I'm just going to keep sticking with what works. Yeah, I think because... Each of us has a different endocannabinoid system. Each of us uh, reacts, we all react differently to various strains and various combinations of THC, CBD, and things like that, and other cannabinoids within the plant itself. And it is really incumbent upon people to understand that you have to experiment. You, ha- you, you have to be your own uh, guinea pig. Yeah, citizen science, absolutely. Citizen science, exactly. And I think that's at the stage you're at right now. And I think if you keep at it, you will find something that may work for you. Have you ever talked to anyone who has had cluster headaches, who has taken cannabis, and it's relieved them to any great degree? Cluster headaches, not necessarily. More of the after effect, because after a cluster, you're really fatigued, you're worn out, um, you feel really lethargic, and then they'll smoke pot for those feelings, and it will help them immensely. But for an actual cluster, um, from the people that I've spoken to, not speaking for everybody, they have not gotten any relief from the cannabis during an attack. However, on a migraine, different disease, it's immediate relief. And that's why I take it, because it gives me immediate relief for like 95% of my migraines. Do you have any triggers that trigger your cluster headaches? Um, yeah, stress, um, certain foods, um, MSG, chocolate, everybody, like it's, 
nobody has the same cancer and nobody has the same cluster headaches. Everybody has their own version of what they have. But uh, and alcohol, that's another reason I don't drink, is an immediate trigger, which hurts more people than pot. Mm-hmm. That's my opinion. Um, but for migraines, cannabis, I couldn't believe it. I was at the hot, at the doctor's office having probably an 8 out of 10 migraine. I could barely talk to the guy. He gave me a prescription. I waited, I don't know, three or four days, and then it came in the mail. And the first puff, I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, I died and went to heaven. What's going on here? There wasn't a pharmaceutical that ever gave me that immediate relief. There wasn't a pharmaceutical that just kind of thought, hey, you know, life ain't so bad. I feel uh, more human right now than I ever have, and that's full of pills. How many pills were you on? Um... Not too, too bad now. I take about nine or ten pills a day, um, which I would hopefully like to just ease off of all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, different issues. I have irritable bowel syndrome. I have migraines. I have cluster headaches. I have new neck pain. And if I can find one thing that's going to help all or, you know, even reduce medication. I ended up in the hospital two months ago from overuse of medication to fix my stomach. But since I've been taking the cannabis, I haven't had one diarrhea since. So it's it's weird how my body's slowly starting to change and get accustomed to it as well. Yeah, and it sounds like because you're a newbie at this that you've turned the corner and you're learning what works for you. And if you keep on with that, you'll find something else down the road and something else down the road with respect to cannabis that may be extremely beneficial to you. Absolutely. And uh, I have so much faith in the medicine now. Um, It's funny. Tonight I was actually at a cruise night, which is like a car show. And a couple uh, cops were there who are friends of mine, and I told them, I'm just, by the way, I got uh, prescribed licensed medical marijuana, and I'm using it. And uh, the first thing they said is, are you feeling better? I hope you're okay. So they're not benign to the situation either. They're, they're, they're understanding that there are sick people out there that use this as medication and use it responsibly. When you had your cluster headaches and they were really severe... And I've also read that people who have cluster headaches suffer from PTSD. Did you or do you suffer from PTSD? Yes, I got PTSD from brain surgery for when I was awake and they were drilling in my head. And I didn't know I had it for about a year. I went to the dentist one day and the brain surgery was in a dentist chair. So being back in a dentist chair and having the drill in my mouth for whatever reason, triggered uh, an ambulance ride to the hospital. And me ended up talking about five or six doctors doctors to realize that I have post-traumatic stress disorder from brain surgery. And I'm arguing with them. I'm not a veteran. I'm not, you know, I didn't go to war. And they said, you don't have to. You don't have to gone to war or be a soldier to have post-traumatic stress disorder. What you had happened to you awake, having your head drilled into is a pretty traumatic thing. It's not the average person deals with. Mm -hmm. So I get flashbacks. I sleep poorly. uh, I get anxiety. Um, For about three years, I didn't leave the house. I was recluse uh, simply because my friends had abandoned me um, when I had surgery. So uh, 
once I got help for it, and then now that I'm really realizing upon research that cannabis helps PTSD, as well as the magic mushrooms helps PTSD, I feel so much better within my inner self, my, my self-worth and my value. Tell me what it's like for you when you look back at December 31st of 2008, I think you told us, when you were in Miami and stepped in front of a bus. What does that do to you now? Um, it makes me think of there's so many other people out there who are in the same shoes as me that need to know that um, life is worth living despite the pain and how bad it can be and that there is hope and help for people out there, whether it be magic mushrooms, whether it be cannabis, uh, that there there is help out there and never to give up or give in. And it doesn't matter how many times you fall down, you got to get back up. And, uh, you know, I thought about when I, you don't think about the people you're going to hurt after you're gone. You, all you want to do is end the pain at whatever cost it is. And, um, you know, without magic mushrooms, I wouldn't be talking to you today. And that's the absolute truth. And without magic mushrooms, I would not have been taking any cannabis whatsoever because I would have been so close minded and so, you know, brainwashed and thinking that, oh my God, you know, I'm going to be on the streets and, you know, selling myself or something. No, it's like doctors, lawyers, police officers, firefighters, factory workers, everybody. Uh, has pain and everybody should be able to have that access to relieving yourself without harming anybody, let alone yourself. Yeah, it's the people. It's the people's medicine. Yeah, and I mean, out of well, I'll give an example: four brain surgeries, four hundred thousand dollars. One year supply of magic mushrooms, fifty dollars. Why? Why isn't the government saying, "Listen, if this is a viable option to help people to prevent suicide"? Uh, marijuana for PTSD. Why aren't they just helping people? They should be handing this stuff out. It's not hurting anybody. It's helping people. It's nothing but medicine to me. And uh, I, I actually just did a vlog on it a couple of days ago, apologizing to anybody I've ever offended or said that uh, how brainwashed I was, how it was bad. I was so wrong. I feel like such a jerk. I'm ashamed of myself. Well, you and I are in the same boat, and I've always told listeners that I'm president of the Hypocrites Club, and uh, you can be a member as well if you want. Because, <laughs> uh, I mean, I I didn't argue against people uh, using cannabis. I just thought uh, all they did was use it to get high. But once yeah. you learn about it, uh, it's really – I mean, the smoking of marijuana is not necessarily something people do to get high. It's to relieve various ailments that they may have within their body absolutely and uh, i think what's happened to you tom is that you've opened a new chapter in your life and uh, none of us know where we're going to go down that road but i think uh to to me listening to your story it sounds more optimistic than it did say seven eight years ago Absolutely. If you would ask me seven, eight years ago if I would have been married to my wife and traveled the places I was able to do and do the things that I was able to do, I would have said, you're crazy. It would never happen. And look at me now. I'm an absolute hypocrite with my foot in my mouth, realizing how wrong I was and how much more of life I have yet to live. I'm only 45 years old, so I got a lot of years ahead of me. 
And if I'm going to have all these headaches for the next 40 years, I might as well enjoy myself and get a little bit of relief along the way. Well, it's well said. You may have your foot in your mouth, but a lot of politicians have their head up their ass. So which would you prefer? (laughs) I didn't know if I could swear. Oh, yeah. You can say anything you want. (laughs) Okay. I'm just trying to be polite. Okay. Tom, it was a pleasure to talk to you and uh, a fascinating story. And I wish you all the best in the future. Thank you. Thank you kindly for your time. And uh, what you are doing is you're spreading the gospel. And I applaud you for that. Thank you. Well, we appreciate it. Thanks very much. And that's another edition of Cannabis Health Radio. If you'd like to tell your story about the medical use of cannabis, just as Tom did, then send us an email at info at CannabisHealthRadio.com. And if you'd like to advertise with us or be a sponsor of Cannabis Health Radio, once again, send us an email at info at CannabisHealthRadio.com. Wherever you are in the world, thanks very much for listening. You've been listening to the Cannabis Health Radio podcast. Visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Joyce Gerber, the creator and host of the award-winning podcast, The Canna Mom Show. And we are on a mission to enhance the impact women have on this industry as business professionals, healthcare providers, policy advocates, caregivers, moms, by sharing and preserving their stories of love and kindness, wisdom, and hope. I am so grateful to have found my tribe of Canada podcasters right here on PodConX and look forward to our work of crushing the stigma around cannabis and caregivers and building this new industry together.